0: Important to know God really is, and uh, a lot of people know about God, and yet not so many people know God and uh, we've talked about the heart of God first week, second week we just we talked about the presence of God, which was just tremendous today we're going to talk about the power of God and when I was thinking about this message uh, because it's good to think about a message before you preach it, I was just thinking about the power of God and and I, some another, you know In my mind, I thought about June 1967. Uh, some of you weren't born then, right? But in June 1967, June 5th through 10th, uh, there, there was a, an occurrence took place in the Middle East. There was a war between Israel uh, and, and against Syria and Egypt and Jordan, and, and those three nations were also uh, aided by a whole list of just about every nation in the region. Uh, Israel was outnumbered tremendously. I mean, it was, it was like almost like there's no way we can win. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the prime minister of, of Egypt at that time, uh, Levi Eskol, he, he got so uh, uh, enthralled in this thing that he uh, designated the public parks as cemeteries, and they began to dig graves for all the Israelites, all the Israelis who were going to be killed in this, this confrontation because it was, a, it was inevitable that there was going to be a conflict. And uh, it, it got so bad that people were panicking. So from, uh, from I think, from New York, from the East Coast, uh, there was a rabbi there who issued a statement to Israel from America. And this is what he said. I wanted to read it to you. He said, God is watching over the Holy Land and salvation is near. He said, there is no reason to be afraid and there is no reason to frighten others. I am displeased with the exaggerations being disseminated and the panicking of the citizens in Israel. Now, that was in 1967. I think we could probably use that word right now. Amen. You know, I'm sort of disturbed at the panic that's going on in the church about the political ongoings in America. And so we might talk a little bit about more about that in a minute. And everybody that's real political said, amen, I've been waiting for this. But... Uh, But the odds were stacked against them. I mean, like three to one, they had more warplanes against Israel, more tanks, more troops, more, the the economical engine running all of this was tremendous, but something happened. And in six days, Israel soundly defeated all of these forces. And it's just amazing. I mean, I would say go online and read about this because it's a great story, if nothing else. But I, I, I want to pick out one little excerpt of that war and kind of read it to you, and then I, I believe you're going to get blessed. The Israelis were originally reluctant to invade the Golan Heights because it was fortified by 75,000 Syrian soldiers. They were deeply entrenched in underground bunkers that were uh, they, they, impossible to even reach them by aircraft. They were impenetrable. In, in and they were ready. They were entrenched. And uh, the, the Israeli commander said, uh, we feel like in order for us to take the Golan Heights, it's going to cost us 30,000 men. 30,000 people. 75,000 Syrians looking down at the Israeli army. But by June 9th, you know, there was all kind of heavy fighting going on. And by June 9th, the commanders of the Israeli army, they established a stronghold right there in the northern and central sectors of the Golan Heights. And then the next morning, they were mustering themselves up for what was going to be another really, really strong military advancement. It was going to cost a lot of lives. They were ready for that. But the Syrians, they had another plan. And uh, the plan was that in a sudden panic, they pulled out of the Golan and fled in total chaos, and they were leaving. They left all of their weaponry right intact. All of their tents, everything, all of their, everything just, they just nowhere left it and took off. It's just like if everybody ran out of this room right now and all you ladies left your purse, we all left our cell phones, we left everything, our wallets, shh. And the Israelis just came in and strategically took the mountain that was utilized to murder Jews and put it in the hands of the Israeli people. Just an amazing story. I mean, you know, you gotta just read it. I mean, it's just tremendous. But as I was reading that, I got to thinking about the Bible and, and an occurrence that took place in the Old Testament. Right outside the city of Samaria, the, the Philistine army had besieged the city of Samaria. And I mean, it was bad folks, bad like nothing you've ever been in. I mean, so bad that they were eating their kids. I mean, it was, it was horrible. And right outside of the gate, there were four lepers. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than being sitting in the dust outside of a besieged city where people are eating their kids, and you're a leopard. I mean, it's like, you think you're having a bad day, that's a bad day. And they were having this conversation, you can overhear them, the Bible gives the narrative that they were, they were talking, they said, well, now we, we can't go in the city because there's famine in the city. Of course, they couldn't go in the city anyway because they were leopards. And he said, now we're surrounded by the enemy, so i tell you what we'll do. Why, why don't we just go give ourselves up to the enemy? I mean, they're, they're probably going to kill us, but hey, we're going to die anyway, so maybe we'll live. And so they got up and they, they began advancing in Second Kings chapter 7. They rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. Isn't it amazing that it's the Syrians again? Here we go. The Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. And they said to one another, evidently, it looks like the king of Israel is hired against us, the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians, to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me when I read in the Bible an account, and then really in history, there's the exact account that took place, identical. You know what it tells tells me? It tells me that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, that's what it shows us. He is the same. He hasn't changed. He's got the same power that he's always had. God is almighty. And that's what we wanted to share with you today. We wanted to share with you about the power of God. Because God has almighty power. It's hard for us to understand almighty power. Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, that means before anything ever was, God was. And guess what? God doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need you to help him. He doesn't need you to help him do his job. And like, oh, I'm God and I need people. He didn't need anybody because he was before anything was. In the beginning, God was there, and he created the heavens and the earth. And so he's not, he's not reliant upon you and me and our ability and our knowledge of him. Like We know more about God than, than he knows about himself, so we're going to tell him how he ought to be, if you know what I'm talking about. And then in Romans chapter one, it says, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, which is true. You know, it's amazing. The same moon you looked at last night. Jan says this all the time. So one of, we look at the moon. She said, you know, it's the same moon that Abraham looked at. It's the same moon that Isaac looked at. It's the same moon that Jesus was looking at. It's just amazing. It's the same moon. And so they've seen the earth and the sky. And, and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Watch this. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You say, well, what's going to to people who don't know God? They have no excuse for not knowing God. We have no excuse for not knowing God. No one has an excuse for not knowing God. No one. Anybody who can see the sky and nature, come on now, can know God. Just think it's very, very exciting to me about that. Psalm 65, 6, God, you form the mountains by your power and arm yourself with mighty strength. And then in the New Testament, Colossians chapter one, Christ is the, watch this, the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything and was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see, and he made things we can't see. Isn't that great? He made things we can't see, but he can see them. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Jack, let me tell you something. This thing is so big. There's an unseen world and there's dominions and powers and authorities in that unseen world. It's so cool. Everything was created through him and for him, get that, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. So if you wonder, is this thing falling apart? Not until Jesus takes his hands away. And when he takes his hands away, things are going to fall apart. Big time, like nothing you've ever seen. He's holding everything together right now. Science is not holding things together. He is holding everything together. Isaiah 45, the prophet says, he speaks uh, you know, like in the voice of God, he says, I I create the light and the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. Then there was a man in the Old Testament by the name of Job The devil came to God and said, Job's a good guy. I know he's a good guy, but let me have him. If you let me have him, he's going to curse you. And so God said, okay, do with him what you want. Just don't kill him. And so he did a bunch of despicable things to him. He ended up, he lost all his kids, all his possessions, all his servants, uh, his home, and even his health. And he has messed up and he's got these three friends that come and tell him all what's wrong with him, why this is happening to him. Isn't that the kind of friend you need to just tell you, when you're in misery, they come tell you, oh, why are you in misery? They're not in misery, but you, you say, this is why. If you, would, uh, you would, uh, if you were like me and perfect, you wouldn't be in such misery? Well, that's sort of what was happening. And even Job got caught up in that, that, that dialogue. And so God comes in the 38th chapter and he says, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And here's one of the questions. Hey, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Now, you tell me if you know so much. I mean, can you imagine God coming to you and say, hey, Ronald, come here. Stand right there. Hey, Ronald, you think you know so much? Where were you when I made the sun? 237 million uh, miles in circumference. Where were you, son? Tell me if you know so much. Can you imagine that? I'm not sure God said it in that attitude. I don't know if he's just sarcastic, but he might have been. He created all things. Maybe he said, hey, dude. Wouldn't it be amazing if you went to heaven and God would say, what's up? What's <laughs> up? Wouldn't it be just amazing? I mean, it's not, you know, it's not her- this is not, you know, sacrilege. What if we went there and God talked in, in normal terms? Not in an English accent with drama behind him with a lot of bass. Man. Suppose he just said, good to see y'all. Come on in. Oh, I've been, I've been waiting to see y'all. Y'all made it. Come in. What if you said that? Some of you need to change your image of God. You got it sort of like God's kind of sad when you get there. Like, well, Yes, come in, my son. <laughs> I mean, if all the angels in heaven rejoice when one person reprent, re- repents, there must, might be a different attitude going up in heaven. But watch this. And, and so Job's, you know, Job's in, you know, he's there with God. And then in Revelation, all the way to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. The Almighty One. Well, I love that. You know, he's not just a pitiful Savior nailed to a cross. He is now the Almighty One. He's like, hey, we've crossed, we've crossed over the cross. Now I'm the Almighty One. It's just amazing. And then in Revelation chapter 1, John, the apostle, this is the apostle that laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. This is the apostle who at the cross, Jesus said, John, I want you to take care of my mother. Hey, hey, Mary, mother, th- th- this is your son from now and He's gonna take care of you from the cross. I mean, he was in an intimate relationship with Jesus. I mean, they knew each other, just wonderful. And now John is on an island called Patmos. He's been exiled there by the governing authorities and he's there and the Bible tells us that it was the Lord's day and he was in the spirit. In other words, he was in church. He was having church all by himself, him in the spirit, just loving the Lord and he hears a voice behind him That just kind of roars. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames, and his feet were polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. Whew! He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. That's the word of God. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. We just sang that song. Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. Did you know that so much of the music we sing is straight from Scripture? And that if you'll sing with all of your heart, God will do something great in you and encourage you. Your spirit will be encouraged. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his hands on me and said, don't be afraid. Like, get on up. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I got it covered. I am the living one. I died. But look at here. I am alive forever and ever. Not only that, John, just want to let you know, I hold the keys of death in the grave. I've, I've got it all. I'm feeling everything from top to bottom now. i got your trouble. I have your suffering. I've got your pain. I've got your injustice. I've got your death, and I've got your grave, and I've got the key. And if you'll follow me one day, I'll let you out of the grave. This is the almighty power of God. Then Revelation chapter 21, he goes on again. He says, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega now, on the cross, he said, it is finished. When he died, he paid for the sins of mankind. He said, redemption is finished. And now, at the very end, he says, it's all finished now. i am telling you what, he will cast the false prophet and the lion devil, the old serpent, the deceiver and accuser of the brethren into the lake that burns forever and ever with fire and brimstone. He's going to do that. And then he says, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega. Oh, whoo, whoo. I am the beginning and the end. He said, wow, it's just so wonderful. He says again in Revelation twenty-two, thirteen: 13, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You know, there are a lot of people really, really involved in politics right now. Like, man, it's like, will the election please come? It's like a tidal wave. And some people are, are trusting in the Republican Party. And, and then there are some people who are trusting in the Democratic Party. But I decided, uh, you know, Friday afternoon, about 4 p.m., that I am forming a third party. Yeah. Everybody else does it; I can do it. So, I have, I have now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm developing the Alpha and Omega Party. I mean, why not? Oh, come on, church, just, just clap again. That's a good church thing to say. And I would say like the rabbi from New York said, I'm very concerned about the agitation of God's people concerning a political system. You know, Jesus got involved in a political system, the Roman government, headed up by a king politician called Pontius Pilate. But I want to tell you something, when it's all said and done, Pontius Pilate, the strongest military and governmental leader in all of Israel is nothing more than a footnote in the story of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you right now, every one will sooner or later, great men, powerful people, lots of money, lots of influence, they're just gonna be a footnote in the story of what God is gonna do in this earth, amen? So I don't know about you, but be encouraged because here in just a little bit we're gonna have a new president so watch who you curse now because you will have to honor later. Thought no, that didn't go over big. You, you so, you, you swimming up to here in the, in, the, in the, well, can I just say it? In the cesspool of political sewer. I don't know about you, but I lift my hands to Jesus. Now, I'm gonna vote like everybody else, but I don't know so much. I was with a bunch of pastors the there on a, on, a, on a call, from all over the nation, and we, you know, we were talking, and one guy said, I, 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 I what, what are you going to say? Said, I don't know, I going to say, I don't know, you know, nobody knows what to do with this mess we've got, because honestly, both candidates have said some of the most ridiculous things. I mean, honestly, folks, I don't know which side of the ledger you're on, but my goodness, can somebody talk some sense? Honestly about what in the world is going on. And so I'm for the Alpha and Omega, and that's just the way it is. And you know the Bible says that some nations trust in chariots and some in horses, meaning the systems of man, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I'm sort of like David, he said to Goliath before he killed him, he said, you come to me with spears and swords, but, but I'm gonna come to you in the name of the Lord our God. And, and so keep that in, you know, vote, you know, a, be who you need to be. But, but man, watch this. Look, there's a, there's a system higher than the system that we're all enraged about. So we talk about the power of God. We, 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 and, and I want to bring a scripture to you that kind of ties these, these two together, like the, the God of, of all this power. He's so wonderful and almighty. But, but, but then in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19... In the New Testament it says what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. Notice he's turning now his power toward us who believe. The believer being a person who has completely without reservation dedicated their life to following Jesus Christ and living a life that is in line with the principles of the Word of God as you are empowered by the Spirit of God. That's what a believer is, not just I believe in God, but I believe so much that I've dedicated my entire being to serving Him the rest of my life and all of eternity. That's what a believer, that's what Paul is saying here to to us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm or the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Folks, can I just tell you that we in, we in something that is a real big deal. It's so big. I mean, the power of God is turned towards us who believe that affects our life in such a powerful way that God's power works in the believer's life. The power, I mean, the power we just talked about, the creation power, come on now. The the, the power that raised Christ from the dead operates in a normal believer's life. That is astonishing to me that God would love us so much that he would do that. I mean, it's just amazing. So how does the, what does the power of God do? And where, where is this power? Well, we need God's power and we use God's power in the believer. First of all, we have the power to hear God's voice. The power to hear God's voice. You know, uh, in, in Jesus speaking in, in the book of John chapter 10, he said, my sheep, he said, they hear my voice and I know them. Now, what, what is that? What is that? What does that mean? That means that you know, a sheep and a believer are synonymous, they're the same thing. My sheep hear my voice. Not try to hear my voice, not hope they hear my voice, they hear my voice. You know what I mean? They they are open, they have ears to hear. You know, amazing Jesus talked about people have ears but cannot hear. See, too many people think if I hear about God's voice, that's hearing God's voice. We need to hear God's voice. We can hear God's voice. He may speak to you audibly. I'm not going to stand up here and say, God cannot speak to an individual audibly because he can. But I know this. God will speak in our inner heart and our spirit. God will also speak to us through the word of God. If you will get along with your Bible every day, God will speak to you about your life personally if you'll just do that. You understand? I'm amazed that people just are too lazy to read the word of God when they have all of the wisdom of God in their hand. We ought to hear his voice, but we also have the power of God to submit to God's will. That's the second part of that verse in John 10 after he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And then he says, and they follow me. They follow me. In other words, they submit themselves to God it's not good enough just to hear God. You have to follow. Or we could say submit or obey to God. You know, it's one thing for a kid to hear, you know, little brother come in. It's amazing. Little brother comes in and says, hey, you know what? It's, uh, it's time for supper. And uh, big brother, he don't pay no mind to little brother. He don't say a word. But then little brother goes in the kitchen say, says, Daddy, I told him, but he ain't coming. He says, you go tell him, Daddy said. And little brother comes in. Same little brother, comes in and says, Daddy said, It's time for supper. Oh, 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 wait, here we go, here we go. It's one thing to hear God's voice, another thing to follow him, to submit to him, and God gives power to us to submit because obedience to the hearing is submitting to the will of God. And that gets mighty serious because I think we hear a whole lot more than we obey. And we can live that way, but sooner or later, God's gonna call us to account. So you either pay now or pay later. I think we ought to start paying now. I think we ought to start hearing the word of God, hearing the voice of God, and, and submitting our will. And, and third, we, we receive power from God to receive God's wisdom. Listen to me now. The wisdom of God. In, in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if you lack wisdom. How many of you have ever lacked wisdom? Raise your hand. You've ever lacked wisdom? Put your hand down. How many of you are lacking wisdom right now? You, right now, you're lacking wisdom. Okay, right now, okay. So now, how do you get the wisdom from God? ask. I got the same response in the first service when I said, ask, because you're waiting for a sermon on four ways to ask God about wisdom. Let me give you seven steps to hearing the voice of God and gaining wisdom. No, if you lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do? Ask God. And he'll give it to you generously. He's not going to fuss at you. There's no reproach there. God's not going to say, I can't believe you asking me for wisdom. <laughs> He's going to give it to you. If you ask, he'll be, it'll be given to you by, by him, but you have to ask in faith. So you have the power of God operating in you to receive the wisdom of God. Unlike most of the people in the entire world, you have the ability to come before God And ask him for wisdom. So let me give you an example of how you do that. Let's say you want to buy a car. Or you want to marry. It would be good to ask God. Father, do you think it would be all right if I got involved with this particular person and then eventually married them? Why don't you ask God for wisdom on that subject rather than getting involved emotionally emotionally? And some people physically, and then wonder if it's the right person. And ask God for wisdom. Should I take this job? Ask God. I need wisdom, Lord, and what do it these kids of mine? These kids, these kids, these kids, they drive me crazy. These kids, ask God. But when you ask God, you must be ready to hear God, and you must be ready to obey God. You ask for wisdom from God, and he will give you wisdom. Now, there's all kind of wisdom going around, folks. In James chapter 3, verse 15, he's going to talk about a different kind of wisdom. And he said, this is not the wisdom that comes down from heaven. This is not this wisdom that comes down from God. But this wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Because man's wisdom, void of God's wisdom, is earthly, unspiritual, or carnal, and it is demonic. And they've got a whole lot of wisdom floating around that sounds so good that is not the wisdom of God. A lot of things that feel good to you is not necessarily the wisdom of God. And if you're going to take advice from somebody, would you take advice from somebody who is spiritual, who who knows God, who has a proven track record? In other words, don't go to somebody who's got a failing marriage and ask them about marriage. Don't go to somebody who's got thousands of dollars worth of credit card debt and about to lose their house and, and ask for financial advice. Run from them. They know nothing about it. Find somebody who's been married 50 years and still smiles once in a while. Okay? That's what you want. To do. You know, and that's the way God works. But no, we, we sometimes we like to, to, to do certain things. You know, we like to salute the power of God. But you know what? We believe in the power of man. Somebody said that one time, said, you know, we, we salute it, the power of God, but we really believe and hold to the power of man. What do you do when man can no longer help you? When the systems fail you? What do you do when there's an injustice perpetrated against you and there's no earthly system to get somebody back? And, and let me tell you something, you can live for God every day of your life and still suffer grave injustice. You hear what I'm saying? It doesn't always work the way it ought to work. It's a flawed system we live in. We live in a fallen world and a wicked generation. And I don't know why we keep looking to a wicked fallen generation for the answers that only God can give to us. Okay. And so, you know, another thing we need, we need the power of God for. We, We receive the power of God to resist the devil. Now, understand this. Now, we don't say amen to the devil right now okay please no amens don't don't say uh praise God you know the devil is a bad dude and the devil is your enemy and he really exists with power but but you know what we need to do what Jesus did. we need to resist the devil and when Jesus was being tempted by the devil one on one he didn't he could have said jesus could have come and said hey don't you don't you remember me I'm the one who was sitting by my father on the throne when he kicked you out of heaven. I saw you fall from heaven like lightning. Don't you know that I'm the Messiah and you've been watching me? Don't you know that I'm sinless? I've got the power of God coursing. In. I'm 30, 30 years old and I have not sinned yet. Don't you know that? He could have said that. Don't you know I'm getting ready to redeem mankind? You ain't. Don't you know you're going to lose the end? He didn't say any of that. He resisted the devil and his temptations with scripture. Now, if Jesus, in the fourth chapter of Matthew, you can read it where he resisted the devil with Scripture. You can read that and see that if Jesus used the Scriptures to resist the devil, then we should also. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. We just talked about that. Hear his voice, submit to his will, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you submit To God and you resist the devil, he has no choice. He is legally bound to leave you if you submit to God. Now, don't go try to resist the devil without submitting to God, but you have the power of the spirit of God living inside of you where you can. This is the way you do it. So you're, you're just going alone in your day and everything's just fine. All of a sudden you've been tempted in a certain area. We won't name anything, just your area. You already know what I'm talking about. Your area And all of a sudden, you know, that temptation comes and and man, you feel like somebody's on your back just riding you. You just need to stand up and say, hey, The Word of God says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new and are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you hear that, devil? That's what the Word of God says about me. I once was in that. I'm no longer in that. I once was the old man in that. The new man is not involved in that. I've been created after righteousness and true holiness. That's what you have to say. That's how we resist the devil. With the Word of God, you cannot resist the devil with your own strength. Jesus didn't even do it. And so the power to resist the devil. And then the last part of what I want to share with you right now is that the power comes from God for us to overcome sin. Mm. Say what, pastor? To overcome sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 says, for if you live... According to the flesh, you will die. In other words, if you're just living a, a carnal fleshly life, you know what I mean, you just you know, no God influence in your life, no thought of God, no, no following Jesus, no real believing, just just you're living after the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit, now notice that by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit gives you power to overcome sin. Now, you say, well, Pastor, how to overcome sin? The other day, Jan, I was reading the Bible. I think we're in the first chapter of Ephesians. And and I read where the Apostle Paul, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit said this. He said, "Uh, you who. Please silence your cell phones. He said, you, you who have stolen, steal no more. You who are a liar, lie no more. And that's all he said. And I wanted to study deep into that subject. And I wanted to find five ways not to lie. And three steps on how not to steal. But I couldn't. What I found was that I believe the Holy Spirit is just simply saying, stop lying <laughs> and stop stealing. So here we are. Power to overcome sin. You got sin in your life? I don't know. It's not my business, honestly. Yeah, but you know. But if you do, I'm gonna give you one easy step to stopping sinning. Stop it. That's it stop sinning. Stop it. I mean, you're an expert. I had to just stop it. I don't know. And I know, I know where we are and I know I'm not making light of addictions and I'm not making light of all these struggles because I've been through struggles. I understand. But in the end, it all boils down to the same thing. You got to stop doing it. No matter, no matter if you go through a 12 step program, no matter if you go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, no matter if you get on uh, Zolafed or Lafafed or the daughters of Zolafafed or whoever you get on, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. In the end, you got to stop it. If you're adultery, you got to stop it. Come on now. Hey. If you got a, a dude on the side, you got to stop it. You can't just keep doing that. And if you're married, you got to stay married. You say, well, I'm not sure this is the woman that I was supposed to marry now that I've come to the Lord. You are in it, Jack. Stay in it. If you're hitting on your wife, stop it. If you're being cruel to your, your spouse, stop it. Man, quit tearing your, your wife down to a crumb of bread. I didn't expect her to be this, this fox. Some of you men, you're looking at me like you could just want to slap me right now. Don't try it. We got guys. Take you out? <laughs> no, you cannot overcome sin by mere human willpower. Just forget it. Okay, just stop it. You say, "Oh, would you teach on that?" Well, I, I, I told the first. So let's see if I can remember it again. S is for stop. <laughs> T is for teaching. O is for, I'm oppressed by the devil. And P is for, won't you just get pure? There it is. There's your four steps, okay? Now, this power that we, we, we've got in us as believers, man, it's going to be used to build the kingdom of God. God's power is going to be used to build the kingdom of God. Now, watch this. I am a better person because I am a follower of Jesus. I am better than I was. I used to try to be better, and I couldn't be better. But then Jesus came inside, you know, changed me. I am a better person. But, but, but the power of God in me is not only to make me a better person, to make me happier or more content, or so that I might have peace or even wisdom. The power of God is in us so that we might exhibit the influence of the power of God in our life. That we might exhibit. It's used to exhibit the influence. In other words, God is such an influence in my life, I want to Exhibited. The Bible says that the Lord has taken his church and has actually spread it out so that every principality, every power, every dominion, and every authority in the hidden realms can see it. This is what God is saying. Here is Johnny. Johnny was once a sinner separated from God in his trespasses, he had followed the ways of his father, Adam, who fell in the garden, Adam and Eve. We read that this morning. Adam, Eve fell first, then Adam followed. And here we go. But my grace has come into his life, my power. My grace has come into his life. Now he is a new creation, and I want to put him on display because I want to show every principality and every power that the grace of God is sufficient to cause a person to live for God from their heart, not a set of of rules to live for God and be honest and open and pure and the whole church is on display I mean God's put it all out there and you're part of that we're on display for the whole world to see because if it was no need for us to be on display to show the mighty power of God through redemption and sanctification and, and all of these wonderful things to glorification then he would just save us and take us on like every time somebody gets saved, like you saved, bing, boy, that'd be cool. We'd all know who was saved, wouldn't we? <laughs> like, oh, I want to follow you, Jesus. And he, he reads our heart, Pew, we're gone. That wouldn't be bad. But then there would be no power of God displayed in the earth because there's nothing more powerful than a man or a woman living a holy life in a wicked world. There's nothing more brighter than a light in a very, very dark place. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now he's talking to us. He's talking to you in your chair right now. You are the salt of the earth. We're talking to believers. We're not talking to people who don't love Jesus, who are not following Jesus. We're not talking to people who have Jesus in their head but nowhere else in their life. We're not talking about it. We're talking about believers. He said, believers are the salt of the earth. He said, if you lose your salt, saltiness, you're not going to do any good. I mean, can you imagine? How would a gumbo be without salt? I mean, like, come on, man. I mean, baby, just uh, we got to get some salt up in there. It's like, how, what did that fish taste like? It was good. It tastes just like salt. <laughs> salt affects everything you put it on. Everything. Even broccoli. It does. It I mean, just everything. And so, so we are the salt of the, of the earth. We, the church, we're the salt of the earth. I mean, here I am, the salt of the earth. I change places when I come, when I go. I, I, I'm, I'm affecting the environment. I'm the salt of the earth. And that's why we're here. We're here to show the saltiness of God. He goes on in Matthew five fourteen. He says, you are the light of the world. Man, why are we here? Why is this church here? What are we doing here? We're here to be light in a dark world. We're here to be light. We don't have, we, 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 we are light. We, we, we don't have to try to be light. Too many people trying to be light. Too many people messing up a lot trying to be light, man. You know, they get on the job, they think they gotta be light. They think light is saying a bunch of stupid Christian things that don't make any sense to anybody. And they think, and they make a lot of enemies. And you know what they say? Praise God, <laughs> I'm suffering persecution. No, you're suffering because you're just kinda weird. Honestly. I'm just going to be honest with you. Look, I could dish up a bunch of persecution right now, right here, right now. I could say some things right now that would empty the chairs out of this, this church right now, but I ain't saying that, bro. We say a lot of things, but we're light and we're here for God. He you said, you don't, you don't take a light and put it underneath a basket. You don't do that. You put it high up on a lampstand or high on a a hill so everybody can see it, so everybody in the house can see the light. And then in the 16th verse, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others, go ahead and do that, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So folks, listen up. We are the light of the world. There is no other light in this world except the church. You hear what I said? There's no other light. Everything else is darkness. Everything else is worldly wisdom, sensual and devilish. The church of Jesus Christ is the only lighted place on this planet. And that's you, that is you. Now, Jesus, right before he went up into heaven, I mean, the last things he said before he lifted off the earth, He talked to the people that he loved so much. These guys gathered around him. He said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, Now, you notice there's something in that first sentence right there. You, us, you, me and you, we will receive power from who? The Holy Spirit. And you will be my witness. You need the power of God to be a witness for God. You you see, it's a witness to everybody everywhere telling everybody about Jesus. But we have the power to hear the voice of God. We have the power to submit to the will of God. We have the power to resist the devil. Come on now. And we have power to overcome sin. And now we're light and salt and we're here. This is our mandate. This is why you exist. I know we want to have a good marriage, and we teach you about that. We want to have our finances in order. We teach about it. We want to raise good kids, you know, that will honor and obey their parents. You know, we want to have all these things in line, be a good player, a good, a good housekeeper, a good office worker. But what about the kingdom of God? What about the bigger picture that we find ourselves in? I want to give you four things that help you be a witness, because let me tell you something. You are a witness. If you've got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, you have the light of the world inside of you. And I know that some of you, you really struggle with that because of your conduct. And let me say this about your conduct. Your conduct should improve. Absolutely. You know, we've already talked about that, right? Just stop it. Your conduct should improve. But if you bring God down to your conduct every day, you don't have an almighty God. You don't serve an almighty God. And so your faith is just so small that you don't believe he can do anything out of the ordinary. But as witnesses, four things we need to understand. Number one is that, and I didn't put these on the board because I just got them last night. You need to take your full responsibility as a follower of Christ, as a witness. That means, folks, listen to me. You have this powerful responsibility given to you by God that you have to step up and embrace. It, it never was meant that the pastor or the pastoral staff or some of the strong leaders in the church were the ones who were to take the responsibility and you know, here's your paycheck. Preacher, preach, and but you know that, no. You are to take responsibility. Now, I've learned this in over thirty years of pastoring that no one can make you take your responsibility. I used to try that, and I stopped that because it wear you out. Because nobody can make you do anything. A matter of fact, the Lord is not even interested in making you do something. That's not the way the Lord operates. The way he operates is that he wants you to get in tandem with him. He desires, he invites you to work with him. Because remember, he's doing it whether he's got to do it by himself or not. And so we have to, we have to take responsibility. The next thing is we have to take every opportunity. Okay? Every opportunity that comes our way. You know, just... Yesterday, I found myself in a place where I had an opportunity to be with with some people. And I I remember praying and saying, Lord, you know, I just want to do this right. I I don't want to mess this up. And so I'm just asking for wisdom. I just want you to use me in the best way you can. And, uh, you know, it's so important here. I, I can't mess this up. And so I went and the opportunity presented itself. I took it and I just prayed that I did a good job for Jesus. Watched what I said. I watched how I handled myself. I, I just wanted to do it so right. And God's going to give you many opportunities. And you may fail at some. You may neglect some and not do it. Some you may go into it and you may not do it exactly right. Pick it up again and go again because you are the light of the world. Third thing is that we need to show the goodness of God. Look, there's so much bad in the world, folks. Let's spread a little goodness around. And I'm not talking about, you know, just worldly goodness, you know. I'm talking about the goodness of God. When you are in situations, show the goodness of God because it is the goodness of God that will bring people to repentance. The Bible says that. It's the goodness of God, not the badness of the world. I mean, look, hey, can I just, can I just encourage on something? Don't make enemies over temporary political issues just be wise I wouldn't think that it'd be horrible thought if people missed heaven because of my political stance and so the goodness of God because that's what people need look there's so much bad in the world I was talking to some guys the other day and, you know, in our small group we were talking. I just was telling the people about there's so many hurting people that come to our services. I mean, you know, in this room right now there are people who are hurting. I mean, you know, people you just found out you're really sick or maybe you've got a a daughter or a son or, or maybe a mother that's, you know, in bad situations or maybe your finances have dissipated or who knows what. Maybe, you know, you're just having a mind problem you're sitting in here right now and That's the big picture. And people just need goodness. You know what I mean? Sometimes just a good word. Sometimes just a good look. No need to be nasty. And the fourth thing that we need to understand is that we need to rely upon God using us. We need to, you know, quit bringing God down to your level of expertise. Quit thinking that you have to be highly educated to know God and to share God. Quit thinking that, oh, well, I come from a different part of town and oh, this and all that. Don't worry about all that. I found this, that God has always put me in front of the people that he knows that I'm able to influence. And I don't try to go in front of people who, I don't have it. You're not gonna find me down on the corner with the gang saying, hey, bro, you know. Jesus is real. You know, that's the, he's not going to put me there. <laughs> but he may put you there. Or he may put you in the hospital room. Or in that neighbor's kitchen over a cup of coffee. Or in a lunch shack on the construction site. And he'll put you right with that person at the right time. And you're going to take the opportunity. You're going to share the goodness of God and you're going to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit working in you rather than your own ability, what you learned in some evangelism class. And you're going to share the heart of God and your story. And when you do that, God's going to say, you can step out of the way now. Now I'm going to take the seed you just planted and I'm going to do something with it. Amen. Amen. That's what we are going to do. Let's bow our heads together right now. Just for a moment, if you don't mind, kind of get along with God just for a moment here. And let me just talk to you for a minute. Come on now. Don't talk to the the person on the side of you. Just get along with God. If you know God, get along with God. It's hard to get along with somebody you don't know. In a minute, I'm going to help you who don't know him connect with him. You're a believer in this place, and maybe this has hit on some part of your life where you say, Pastor, oh, my, you know man, I I just haven't been flowing in the power of God. I haven't allowed God. I lack so much wisdom. Whatever it might be, I want to pray over this message for your life that you will be able to, to be integrated with the mighty Holy Spirit and the power of God in your life. Father, for your church here, Lord, you've put us on display for the whole world to see that we're light and salt. You said that, Lord. That's what we are. And so we pray this morning, God, and we agree together as a church that you'll just manifest yourself to us in such a wonderful way that, God, will just begin to flow with you. Use us, Lord. Use this church mightily in this community and the communities round about us, Lord, to do something great in people's lives. Father, I thank you for what I hear. Every week of the year, I hear stories of people who have been transformed by what you're doing in their life. And it's so encouraging to us. I pray that you would encourage every believer in here to stay the course and to rely upon you. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray this. Now just for another moment while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you're sitting in here and if if you've come into this place this morning and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your life is not right with God, there's no relationship there, you've been cut off, been on all kind of problems, things just tearing your life apart or, or maybe your life is excellent but the Holy Spirit has just tapped on your heart today and said, you don't know me. Today is the day you can be introduced to the greatest Savior, the King of every King the Lord of every lords, the eternal Father, God Almighty, through His Holy Spirit, because of His Son Jesus' death. If that's you, you're sitting in the chair, I'm going to pray with you right where you are. not going to make you come up or do anything, but I do ask this while every head is bowed. If you'll just shoot your hand up and say, Pastor, today I want to follow Jesus. Today I want to commit my life to Him. I just want you to just put your hand up. Thank you so much. Thank you, yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, yes, thank you. Come on now, just just shoot up. Thank you. Don't be afraid. You need a new life. Thank you in the rear here. Yes, on my side. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You say, today is the day I must commit to following Christ. It is a commitment. It's a covenant that God is going to make with you through Jesus Christ right now. Even if you didn't raise your hand, I'm getting ready to pray. And when I pray, I just want you to agree with me. And God is going to hear your prayer and he's going to answer you instantly. Just pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now that you love people. Thank you for dying for us on the cross. Thank you for giving us power to repent of our sins, to put our faith in Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you, Father, that your power is almighty. We receive you right now, God. Commit our lives to follow you for the rest of our lives asking you to change us into a new person. Lord, I want to be a brand new person from the inside out. So I dedicate myself to you, put my faith in Jesus Christ. And I thank you for hearing me, God, and for answering me today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on now.
1: If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.